So how are, my wife made me wear the jacket. She said I had to look good for the guests. So for all of you, it matches, right? I have a brown one and I have a black one, but I'm wearing a black belt. So I know that's like a fashion faux pas because I'm in brown, but you can't see that. So that's okay. So I'm feeling 70% comfortable with that. Tuck my shirt in. You'll make me run from the room crying if I have to tuck my shirt in. I, I don't think I've tucked my shirt. Well, weddings and funerals, that's when I tuck my shirt in. And this is a resurrection, so I don't have to tuck my shirt in. So, <laughs> yes. All right, so how are you all doing on this fine spring weekend? Anybody do yard work yesterday? I have a blister, another one. Man, this working for a living is taking its toll on my hands. These hands were meant for blessing and, and I guess yard work too, but I did wear gloves. How girly are my hands? I got a blister through my gloves. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Hopefully we can continue this weather into we're done with winter and outdoor activities can begin. Maybe we should have church outside one Sunday, huh? Rent a tent, make noise, aggravate the neighbors. That might be awesome. We blow the shofar. What do you think, Mark? <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. All right. So this morning, in order to get where we're going, we have to start at the very beginning. And, and believe me, we're going to get to a certain spot where hopefully you'll go, oh, now I get it. But we, gotta, we have to start at the beginning. We have to start in the context of of Jewish culture, of Jewish tradition, especially in the time of the Bible. So so if you'll bear with me for the next uh, hour and a half or so, we'll get to, I'm serious, no, we'll get to that point of of where this this will make sense. So let's start at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to pray, and we will get into it. God, we offer you our lives and our hearts. And God, we're here this morning on this this Sunday to celebrate your work, your gift. That you have called all people back to yourself through Jesus. That once and for all, evil has been defeated, death has been defeated, and we can know life eternal. And we want to thank you for that. We want to give you um, the glory for that. But God, again, I pray that we would not just let Easter be one day. That we would celebrate the power of the resurrection every day of our lives. And now, God, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight my rock, and my redeemer. Amen. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God sets off 
to creating. And now what separates our creation story, the, the story of creation in the Bible, from all other creation stories is that our God creates out of a selflessness, out of a beauty, out of love, out of a desire to create. And all of the other creation stories, and there are other creation stories, the, the, the creation is, it happens out of turmoil and fighting, fighting among the gods. And that's how we got here. That's their reason for why we exist. But our God, I believe the true story, the Bible story, God creates out of selflessness and out of love and out, and out of beauty. And he creates the heavens and he creates the earth. And our earth is pretty it's pretty dank looking. There's not a lot going on. It says it's formless, it's void, and there's darkness over the deep. In the Hebrew tradition, dark, or, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew tradition, um, the, the deep, seas, oceans, they're a metaphor for chaos. The opposite of God for a Jew is not evil, it's not the devil, but it's, it's chaos. And they use oceans and they use the deep and they use the seas to represent chaos. And so we see that, that all that's on the earth is chaos and there's darkness over this chaos. That's why in Revelation 21 when it says there's a he- new heaven and there's a new earth and there will be no more seas because there will be no more chaos. But right now at the beginning, that's all there is. Chaos. And the spirit of God, his spirit in the Hebrew, ruach, it's, it's breath, it's wind, it's mind. The spirit of God, it's hovering over the waters, over the deep. And God will speak. God will command. He's not hoping something that's going to happen. He's not wishing. He commands. And he will command creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. A creative spark, illumination from the very word of God. He creates light. And this light begins to push back the darkness. The only thing that can remove darkness is light. And this is the first thing that God creates on this first day. Now, have you ever wondered where the light comes from? See, God doesn't create the sun and the moon and the stars and all those things till day four. It's, you, could read, you can read chapter one of Genesis. It doesn't happen till day four. But on day one, he creates this light. He speaks words and light comes into existence. And he says, this light, this light is good. He doesn't say that about the darkness, but he says that this light is good and God will continue to speak and his words will continue to speak creation into existence. There is power in the word of God. There is power to create in the word of God to bring something from absolutely nothing with just a word. Now, in the Old Testament, we'll find God continues to speak. He's always speaking. He's always speaking to to Israel. He's always speaking to the Jewish people. He gives them mitzvah or his commands. And he also has given them Torah. And Torah is God's teaching. It's God's words for the people. And the Torah has a threefold purpose 
in the Hebrew tradition. First, it's, it's a guide for life that the Jewish person can bring and find peace in this life. And the Torah is there that so there can be a connection between human and God. And also, I find this fascinating that, that some Hebrew, um, some rabbis teach that Torah was created to give the Jew something to study. And so there's these three components of Torah. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says that God's commands, his teachings, the Torah is a light and it's a lamp. It's a way of life. Light is, is constantly used as a metaphor for the word of God. Light is constantly used to represent Torah. And so this light is also a guide for, for the life of the Jew. This light is also a way that they connect to God. And this light is, is light in its purest form. It's light. Now, the rabbis will teach that the light of Torah, the light of creation that God spoke, um, had to be hidden away on the first day. That this light that was, that was given on the first day had to be hidden. God saw the wickedness that was going to come into the world. God saw that this was going to go bad. And so he had to take this light and he had to hide it. That's why in Genesis chapter four, or Genesis one four, when it says that God separated the light from the darkness, this is what they teach: that He took this light and He had to hide it away for the future generations of the righteous that would be risen, that would be resurrected in the last days. And so, by virtue of this hidden light, that God has kind of just created and said, "Oh, wait, I've got to tuck this away. I've got to put it away." that the perfect love of God cannot shine in the world because it's hidden. This is what the rabbis will teach. That the perfect, if the perfect love of God were revealed, evil would be defeated. There would be no more evil. And if there's no more evil, that means humans would lose free will. And so God has to hide it. And tuck it away. And the Jewish sages teach that with, within Torah, within the word of God, within his teachings, God hid this light, this light that he created on the first day of creation. The light of life. The light that connects humans to God. Now, fast forward thousands of years or 977 pages in my Bible to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The writer of the gospel of John begins to echo back to the creation story, begins to call these, these pictures of creation, that there's this word that speaks. So often we remove the gospels from the Jewishness that they were written in, and we lose the depth and the beauty of what God is trying to say. And through this word, through God's word, all things have been created. Nothing has been created without this word. 
He's calling back from the book of Genesis. And this word will appear again in history. But something very different is about to take place. Something different is happening. John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Not only has this word reappeared, the commands, the teachings of God happened again in history, but now they've become flesh and blood. They've become human. This is something very, very different. God's word, God's teachings, his Torah has become flesh and blood and will live among us. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus will live his life openly, honestly, transparent among his creation. He shows us who God is. He reveals how the law is to be lived, how the teachings of God should be carried out day to day. This is the word of God. The very word that was spoken in the beginning has now become flesh and blood and lives among us. As a church, we have been working through the Gospel of John. And we've been in it for now about 30 teachings, over about 40 weeks, so almost a year. We're on, we're on chapter 7. And when we, we're in chapter 8, but we've worked through chapter 7 and 8. And what we find going on in these two chapters is a festival is taking place. And Jesus is at this festival. It's the festival of tabernacles. This is a big deal for the Jewish people. And Jesus, he is bumping heads with the Jewish leaders. He is just aggravating the death out of them. See, he's coming and he's teaching and he's bringing these teachings, these amazing teachings. And the people, they're just like, wow, this guy, who is this guy? How did he get such learning? How is he bringing these insights to God's word? And the, and the religious leaders are becoming more and more upset and they're just not sure how to deal with him. And so what they do is they send the temple guards, the police, they tell them, Go arrest this guy. Look for the right opportunity. And the temple guards come back without him. And the, and the leaders are like, where is he? And like, man, nobody, nobody has ever taught like this guy. And so there's, this, there's thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem. And Jesus is there and he's, and he's bringing it. And he's teaching. And nobody, and, and the religious leaders, they, they just can't figure out a way to arrest him. And the people are in awe. Now, this festival of tabernacles, like I said, it's, it's a big deal for the Jewish people. This is a seven-day party. See, I think the, the, the Jewish people would laugh at us. We celebrate, this is, Easter is like a big day for, on the Christian calendar, right? It's like one of the biggest days. This is, ta-da, here it is. It's Easter. We give it a day. The Jews, the Jews know how to get down and party in the presence of God. They throw off-the-hook type of parties. Seven days, an entire nation throws this party. They build, they build these little, um, little huts out of sticks and shrubberies and, and, and branches. And th- See, some of you know that. Some of you have no idea, huh? <laughs> the young people are like, huh? 
I just dated. Okay, so anyway, so and, and they build these things and they and they live in them for an entire week. This is like a nation that camps out together for an entire week. And then they celebrate they celebrate water. Every day they celebrate water. They they realize that God has given the gift of rain and they thank God for the gift of rain and they continue to pray that, that he would bless them with rain and they draw water from the well and they pour it over the altar and the rabbis would teach that that if you have never witnessed if you have never witnessed the drawing of the water then you do not know joy this is a big deal on the Jewish calendar the festival of tabernacles Now, at the close of the first day, all of the worshipers would be, um, they they would kind of march down to what was called the temple of the women. And I'm sorry, the court of the women. And in this court is where um, they kept the money. Now, I have no idea why they would give the women the money. Maybe because the guys would be out buying stupid things. But that's just... I digress. Um, so so it's, it's here where people would go and they would, they would make um, their offering and their tithe to the temple. Now, in this, in this courtyard, there were um, giant menorah. And they, ha- they had four, four branches. I brought, I brought a menorah. It would be shaped something like this. This is a Hanukkah menorah, so it has nine. But picture this, but with only four branches. And these bowls, okay, um, we stick candles in them now, but back then they would fill these with oil. And the bowls on these menorah would, be, would hold two and a half gallons of oil each. And there's four of these menorah in this courtyard. And some, some rabbis say that they were up to 75 feet tall. There was ladders on each one where the, where the young priests or the, the boys studying to be priests, they would climb these ladders. They would make sure that these, um, the, the, um, the bowls were filled with oil. And they would use the, uh, the garments of the priests, their old clothes for wicks. And, and they, would, they would put them in there. And these would burn brightly throughout this entire festival. It's written in the Mishnah, which is an ancient Jewish text, that there was not a courtyard in all of Jerusalem that could be hidden from the light of these menorah. It just shone, shined, whatever the word, everywhere. Now, not only was these shelters celebrated that, that they built and they lived in, to remember that their, their ancestors were homeless when they wandered in the wilderness. And not only did they celebrate water every day, but light was part of their celebration. They celebrated that God had given light. They celebrate the very light of creation. And what these four candle abra or menorah, what they represented was the menorah that was in the temple. The temple had its own seven-branched menorah that would give light to the temple. And these giant menorah on the outside are a representation of the one that brought light to the temple. In the Jewish tradition, the menorah that was in the temple drew its light from the hidden residual light of creation. That the light that God hid away at creation on the first day it's part of the menorah light. And not only was that menorah to light the temple, but it was to cast the light of creation 
out into God's creation. The way the windows were in the temple, they were very small on the inside and they went through the wall and they got bigger on the outside to cast the light of God into all of creation. Remember, light also represents the Torah that God's teachings would shine out into all of creation. It was very symbolic. Light, God's word, and God's Torah. And it also celebrated the light that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 42. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. The rabbis will teach that this light that's talked about in Isaiah is not some violent force to be forced upon people, but that, that Israel is to accomplish this, opening the eyes that are blind, freeing the captives, releasing those from the dungeon who sit in darkness, that this light is, they shine this light by being an example. That they would live the way God had called them to live and to be an example to the world and let this light shine. And when they can get a hold of that, these things begin to happen. And so, God creates in the beginning. He speaks light. And then he hides this light away in his Torah, in his word. And on that backdrop, we see that John writes that, that Jesus is the word of God. He was with God. He is God. God thought Jesus created, Martin Luther would say, at, at that creation day. And we see during this festival that light is celebrated. These menorah, giant menorah, shining out to all of Jerusalem. The light of God's creation. The light of his Torah. And it's against this backdrop. It's against all that's going around during this festival. It's against the celebration. It's with the celebration that, that is taking place that Jesus will speak these words in John chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a huge, bold statement by Jesus. The people that are hearing this, the religious leaders, they know exactly what he's claiming. They know exactly what he is talking about. He's calling back to that light of creation that God hid away in his word. He's, he's calling back to the light that Isaiah spoke about, a light that will open the eyes of the blind, that will free people from darkness in the dungeons, the light that will, that will free the prisoner. He is claiming that he is that light, the light that would shine to the Gentiles so that God's salvation can reach across the entire world, Isaiah says in, in chapter 49. And then look at this, Isaiah 51. He says, listen to me, my people, hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. Jesus is claiming, I am that justice. I am that light. And he's saying it in front of thousands of people at this festival. Jesus is claiming to be this light. At the creation, 
The word of God spoke. Jesus spoke everything into existence. Jesus allowed his light to shine and be visible for all to see. Isaiah 60, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Jesus is God's everlasting light. And I'm gonna make a huge claim that the light that God created was to allow humanity to see finally his glory. The light on the first day of creation was the glory of God revealed. He had to take it and hide it away for a time. And now we see Jesus is that light. And we, we the follower of Christ, we know, hold my calls. We, the follower of Christ, know how this ends. Revelation 21 The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on that for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. Jesus is the glory of God revealed. Jesus is the light of the world. At creation, Jesus speaks his glory into a a place where we can see it and reveals his glory at at, at creation. And now again, Jesus is here to say, I am God's glory. I am God's life, light. So what in the world does all this have to do with Easter? That's a great question. I have no idea. So we're just going to end now. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Many times when we think of Easter, we, we, we rightly think of the resurrection of Christ. He rises from the dead. He conquers death. But the Easter story is so much deeper than that. It goes so far beyond what we just casually read in in our Bible or we casually think about. In John chapter 20, he's very careful, the writer of the Gospel of John, to make sure that we understand that Jesus rises from the dead on the first day of the week. Now, coincidence? I don't think so. That the light will shine on the first day of the week. Easter morning is God's first day of the new creation, of the new world. When the light will shine once again and push back the darkness. When the light will shine once again and bring order to the chaos. Jesus was lifted up to draw all people to himself. And on the cross, on that Friday, on the cross, God's perfect love was finally revealed in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And on Easter morning, when he walked out of the grave, it wasn't a metaphor. It wasn't a symbol of some larger truth, some bigger truth. It was the beginning of a new exodus. Remember, Israel is in bondage in Egypt and God frees them. He sets them free from the oppression and they move into a new life, into a new place that God has called them to. 
And for us now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a new exodus for us. We are finally free from the bondage of oppression. We are free from the brokenness and corruption. We can be finally free from sin. The very thing that separates us from God. For those who will believe, for those who will follow, they have been set free to walk in God's new world. And for each human being, God invites us to be healed. God invites us into this reconciled relationship because what Jesus has done, the price that he has paid. And when you make that decision to follow, when you make that decision to believe, then we're called not to imitate what Jesus did. We are called to implement what Jesus did, that we would walk in the light of life, to walk in the freedom of the new exodus, to reflect into the world God's creative and redemptive light of life. You know, deep down, deep down and every person knows that we have been made to be in relationship with each other with with other people deep down we all know that that we were made to to shape this world to care for this world that our lives we want our lives to make a difference we want our lives on some very deep level and and sometimes that bubbles up but all of us know that that we want our lives to to mean something and we've all been called to worship. Everyone, everyone worships something. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, job, children, cars. We all worship something. But we have been called to worship the one whose image that we have been made in. We are to announce to a fallen world reconciliation redemption we are called to bring healing into its brokenness we're called to bring love trust into a world that knows just fear suspicion we are called to bring the word of God and that word is Jesus Christ into a world and release and reflect his light. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be following Jesus. It's not just about you getting to heaven and be done with it. That would be a really nice ending to the story if God killed you when you started to believe. But that's not the way this all plays out. Being saved, I believe, is for today. That you would take the salvation that you know and that you would reflect it and live it in the world. We're not called to hide from this world. We're called to engage it and live in it and bring the light of Christ to it. In the beginning, in Genesis, God told Adam and Eve, the dynamic duo, messed everything up for us. Anyway, told them, to care for creation, to work it. And the Easter story calls us to now care for God's new creation and to work it. 
we're called to bear the pain and brokenness of this world, that the light of Christ could shine within it. We are never to withdraw. We're not, we're not here to compromise. We're not here to be jerks either. But we're not here to be, also be some angry militant organization that wants to kill police officers. We saw on the news a few weeks ago. That's not what we are about. But we are called to be in and at those places where the world is broken that we would become part of the human race and not run and hide from it. And that we would reflect the love of God back into the world, that we would walk in the power of the resurrection every day, that we would take the world's message of brokenness, that we would take the world's message of hopelessness, and that we would turn it upside down.